I want to talk today, we're starting a new series. Um, we're going to continue to stay in some of the writings of Paul for a few weeks. The subject today of how might someone have noticed my faith this week? Another way of, of putting that is, if being a true Christian were outlawed, would you have produced enough evidence this past week for them to convict you? Let me say that again. If being a true Christian were outlawed, would you have produced enough evidence this past week for them to convict you? There's a bumper sticker that I see from time to time that I feel can have a, a very true message However, too many times when you look at the vast assortment of other bumper stickers on the same car, it generally tells a story that being Christ-like is not the particular mindset of the person in the car. But it says, practice random acts of kindness. And while that might seem a bit trivial and maybe even a bit cheesy, in a deeper meaning, although we're talking about a bumper sticker, it is a very Jesus-like thing to do. Practice random acts of kindness. Acts 10 and 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He went around doing good. I believe that this passage of Scripture is one of the best explanations of the gospel and what our witness should be like in our world today. When we read about the life of Christ, we, we see that he practiced his faith in a hundred micro-decisions and ordinary encounters every week of his life, of his ministry. It wasn't all speaking to multitudes. Most of the things that Jesus did were little things as he went through his life, ordinary things and ordinary people that he touched as he went through a day. We spend every day of our life doing something. We go around doing life. Why not spend some of that time every day doing good in as many ways as possible? Why not make it our ambition to be as Christ-like people to see how many people's lives we can improve and make a good impact on every day. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but it should be Christ-like in the sense of Acts 10 and 38. Jesus went around doing good. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should be able to make a difference in the lives of people that we come in contact with every day. How did Jesus, it says, how did Jesus go about doing good every day? It said because God was with him. And if we are full of the Spirit, we should be able to do the same thing. With that said, let's look at some background of the Scripture that we're going to be reading today. For the sec next several weeks, we're going to be looking into some of the Apostle Paul's writings to the church at Thessal Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a a major Greek city with a population around 200,000 people at the time of Paul. Paul and two of his associates, Silas and Timothy, came to Thessalonica after being forced out of the city of Philippi. There in Philippi, Paul and Silas had been beaten, jailed, and humiliated. In Thessalonica, Paul spent several Sabbaths 
in the synagogue demonstrating that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus really was the Messiah that everyone had been waiting for, all the Jewish people had been waiting for. Acts 17 and 4 tells us that some of the Jews believed, as well as a large number of God-fearing Greeks and several prominent women of Thessalonica. However, that wasn't everybody. The Jews who did not believe started a riot against Paul and Silas. When they couldn't find Paul and Silas, they went and started dragging other believers out of their houses and taking them to the officials of the city saying that these are the people that are associated with these guys that are stirring up trouble all over the region. And because of that, so Paul and Silas didn't want to see these people punished because they were preaching, they ended up leaving and they left Thessalonica. And that brings us to 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times when we read the, the epistles that Paul wrote, the first few verses are kind of a, a greeting. And often we just skip right by the greeting because it's like, Dear Thessalonian, Thessalonian Church. But this has a lot more meaning than, than what we would look at, see at first glance. And here's why. Several months after leaving Thessalonica, Paul and Silas and Timothy find themselves in Corinth. Paul writes a letter to the Thessalonians addressed from himself, Silas and Timothy, the three of them that were there. It seemed because of their quick departure from the city, Paul became concerned about the church they left behind. So he had sent Timothy back to check on the, their well-being and to bring a report back to him. When Timothy returns from Thessalonica, Paul learns that their faith was not only thriving, it was also becoming known throughout the entire region. And it was because of this that Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians. So here we, here's our scenario. Paul, Silas, and Timothy get run out of Thessalonica. Several months later, they end up in Corinth. Paul gets worried about the church. He sends Timothy back. Timothy comes back with this report. Paul, you're not going to believe how good things are going back there at the church. So Paul sits down and writes a letter to them to let them know that he knows how good things are going back in Thessalonica. The good news that Timothy brought back caused all three of them to give thanks as they remembered their faith, love, and endurance of the readers. And all of this had continued in spite of their suffering. When Paul and Silas and Timothy left Thessalonica, it didn't stop the persecution that was going on to the believers. Paul specifically thanks the readers, the people at Thessalonica, because they practiced, practiced their faith through changed lives. How did people know that they were Christians? Because their lives were different. They showed love that prompted them to do for others. And they displayed endurance of faith in the face of tribulation. How? Because they, they focused on 
their eternal hope in Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Having thanked God for their continued practice and, and continuing in the faith, Paul jumps back to the time when, when the Thessalonians welcomed the gospel and they became believers back at the day back in the day when Paul and Silas and Timothy were there in Thessalonica. Their reception of the message of salvation verified their place in God's sovereign plan for the church. Paul made it clear that you didn't just believe, you changed your lives. We saw a difference. And because of what had happened when the the missionaries first preached the gospel to the Thessalonians, Paul knew that their faith and their calling was real. He knew it wasn't just a surface type of salvation. In verse 5, it's amazing kind of how Paul writes this because it, it pictures Paul, Silas, and Timothy taking a back seat as the gospel flowed out of them to the Thessalonians with power. He wrote, with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. And I think what, what Paul was saying here is while, while, while words are essential to communicate truth, in this case, they were only the means that helped unleash God's power to the Thessalonian people. He was saying, it wasn't us that changed you. We came to you, and, and all we had was just words. Our gospel came simply with, with words, but that's not what made the difference. What made the difference was the power, the Holy Spirit, and the deep conviction that you had. In other words, it wasn't just Paul stood up and said, okay, repeat after me this phrase, and they repeated the phrase back, and Paul said, now you're saved. It's not what he said. He said it wasn't simply with words, but it was with power and with the Holy Spirit and a deep conviction. That's what he said. It changed their lives. It was a salvation that came with something real. Paul also knew that the, the faith of the Thessalonians was genuine because they became imitators of the missionaries. I really don't remember ever reading that before. You became imitators of us and the Lord. And this was in spite of the severe suffering that they suffered. More specifically, they were imitators of of Paul and Silas, but you say, well, how were they imitators? I believe that when Paul and Silas arrived in Thessalonica, the stripes on their back were probably still bleeding. Perhaps even more visible wounds from the flogging and the beating that they received at Philippi. Remember, they had come from Philippi to Thessalonica after being beaten and jailed. And I believe when they got there, 
there were still signs of those beatings on Paul and Silas. And the Thessalonians soon found themselves at the receiving end of the intense opposition to the gospel. But they also found joy through the Holy Spirit in spite of their afflictions, just as their examples Paul and Silas had found. I believe that at some point when some of these people in Thessalonica were beaten, they remembered back to Paul and Silas when they came to town. And I believe when Paul said, you became imitators of us, he wasn't just talking about that they talked and they, they raised their hands and they sang all the right songs. They became imitators in everything they did. If it meant that they had to suffer for the, the belief, they suffered for the belief. They became like Paul and Silas. And they became godly men and women. Later in the same letter, Paul said that he knew their suffering came from not just the Jews, but from the Gentiles who opposed the message of the gospel. And as you, if you read different commentators as to what the suffering was, it ranged from beatings, as Paul and Silas had experienced, perhaps to death. But other commentators also say that they faced other things that we don't think about sometimes. Loss of jobs because of their belief. A loss of livelihood from both Gentiles and Jews as a result of just accepting the gospel message. They became imitators of Paul and Silas, not just in the way they combed their hair, but in every aspect of their life. If it means that we lose our job, if it means we get beaten, if it means we get killed, we will still believe what we have been taught. We will still follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we compare that to, to our day, we see that there are so many people today who say when they become an imitator of, of those that brought them into the church, a lot of times it's only in the way they dress, it's only in the way they comb their hair, it's only in the way they, they say certain words and the way they carry their Bible. It's all on the outside. I believe that these people, the Thessalonians, when they became imitators of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they became imitators on the inside. Because what they had, Paul recognized that it came from power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a makeover. Not on the outside. It was a makeover on the inside. We really need to grasp that what we see in the Thessalonians was not just a copying of, of behavior. But it was evidence that the same God that was at work in Paul and Silas and Timothy was now at work in the lives of these people. First Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Not only did the Thessalonians imitate the behavior of the missionaries, not only did they change on the inside and become full of the Spirit as the missionaries were, it wasn't enough for them just to change. They also became examples to everyone around them through Macedonia and Achaia. And these were provinces that surrounded the city. And they were part of of ancient Greece, which at the time was under the control of the Roman Empire. Paul compared the the Thessalonian believers' witness to a trumpet blast sounding through the entire region. What you've done, it couldn't stay quiet. What you've done has rang out from you. If there's something real within us, I believe that it will ring out when we go out into the world. I heard someone say one time, there's no such thing as undercover Christians. A lot of people like to think there are. But I believe what Paul was saying is the reason, another one of the reasons that I know you really got what is real is because it showed not just in your life, but it showed to everyone around you. You became examples to all those people that you came in contact with every day. People in the, in the area heard how the Thessalonians joyously endured all the suffering while they served the Lord. People noticed their faith. And Paul and Silas didn't have to say anything about it. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it because it's already gone everywhere. Everybody knows what has happened in your lives. I believe that there were other missionaries that came through Thessalonica who saw the change in these people. And when they went to other churches, they talked about these people and how their lives had changed to these other churches. And the people at these other churches were touched. And soon word spread throughout the entire region. Why? Because these people got something real. It's interesting that when Paul left there, I really don't know that he knew for sure that they got it. And the reason I say that is because he sent Timothy back to check on them. I believe that he and Timothy and Silas were sitting around, and he goes, what do you think? He said, I I hope they got it while we were there, but you know, we had to leave pretty quickly. Just in case, Timothy, why don't you go back and just check on them? Sneak into town. You can go by yourself. You're younger. You sneak into town. You find out what's going on and make sure that the church is still okay. And Timothy comes back and says, it's not just okay. You can't believe what those people are doing. Those people are living it day in and day out. They're being persecuted. 
severely. And they're still living it every day of their life. Practicing random acts of kindness. People had observed a couple things in the lives of the Thessalonians. First, they reported how they had turned to God from their idols. While some of the people in the city were Jews, many of them were Greeks who were polytheists. They worshipped idols. They worshipped whatever. You name it, you had an idol for it, they'd set one up in their house and worship it. But these people had turned from all of their idols to worshipping the one true and living God. They realized that those idols were useless. People noticed that. People noticed what was important in these other people's lives. I believe that when we are filled with the Spirit of God, people should notice what is important in our lives now versus what used to be important in our lives. You say, well, I don't have any idols. Anything that we place between us and God has become an idol. Anything that we place importance on to the point that it's equal to or greater than God has become an idol. And people notice that. They noticed it with the Thessalonians. The second aspect talked about throughout the region was the hope of the Thessalonians. The hope that enabled them to endure their severe tribulations. They expected Jesus to return at any time. So they focused their attention on an expectation of eternal glory, and that enabled them to endure their present tribulation. How can you keep up? How can you keep believing? They said, well, just waiting for Jesus to come back. You see, Paul taught the various churches that he visited that this world was not their home. That someday they would share a glorious eternity that would far out, outweigh any suffering they would go through right now. You see, the persecution of the early church wasn't the type of persecution that, that we talk about today. We talk about persecution if it comes in the form of um, the government or something that, that speaks out against a certain thing. But we still have freedom to do whatever we want when it comes to religion. At that point in, in time, in the early church, people were beaten. They were dragged out of their homes. We see that they lost their jobs. They lost their, their way to make a living. Sometimes they were killed. And these people continued to live for God in spite of that. It wasn't just somebody stood out in front of their house and made fun of them. It was persecution. But they said, Paul taught us that this is not all we're living for. And I can tell you that today we have the same hope. This world is not our final destination. This is not our home. We can rejoice that whatever we're going through at the time is at best temporary. And still the unbelieving world. One of the things, we back up a second, one of the things that the people noticed what the, was that the Thessalonians continued to live for God in spite of these things. And I will tell you that the world today does the same thing. The world watches Christians at a time of suffering. And they wonder if the authenticity of our faith will continue to shine through whatever adversity we face. 
I believe that many who don't believe, they honestly want to know if our faith will stand the test. Let's see how your Christianity holds up now. Let's see how your faith holds up now that you're facing something. In adversity, the integrity of our faith speaks so loudly to unbelievers. At the same time, Christians have opportunities to witness to neighbors, friends, and fellow workers in the course of everyday life. Paul didn't specifically describe how the Thessalonian church achieved its reputation. But I would say that it, it was obvious that it was because the people were so excited about what God had done in their life that they told everybody they knew. And everybody they knew saw the change in their life. And this kind of witnessing is really made simple because it's, it's, all it is is telling how God has transformed a person's life into what it is now, from where it was. One of the problems we face in our society today is that we live in a culture where people look to certain other Christians as Christian superheroes, as Christian icons or Christian power hitters. And if we're not careful, we might look around and feel like we're not doing much for the kingdom of God. Because we look at these other people and say, yeah, but look what they're doing. What I'm doing just doesn't matter. The good news is that we don't, we don't need to and we should not be discouraged if we're not writing a best-selling faith-based book. We don't need to be discouraged if we're not recording albums that sell millions of copies. We don't need to be discouraged if we're not filling up stadiums for Jesus on our latest speaking tour. Why? Because Jesus didn't tell us that everything needed to be fireworks and sirens for Him. Instead, He called us to be two things. In the New Testament, Jesus said that we should be salt and we should be light. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it, made be, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in our house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Common everyday stuff. Salt and light. We often take them for granted, but what would we do without them? They are both essential to our lives. Neither salt nor life draws a lot of attention. We don't walk into a room and flip the switch and the light comes on and go, Woohoo! The light came on. We just expect it to happen. We don't put salt on food and take a bite of it and go, Wow, this salt is good. Salt doesn't get credit. The food gets the credit. 
Salt just happens to be there. But think how important both of those are. They just do what they do. Light illuminates darkness wherever it goes. But what about salt? Salt flavors its environment. And we know that a little goes a long way. Thanks to Brother Al Gossin. We know an awful lot about salt. A little goes a long ways. But not only does salt flavor its entire environment, it also has powers to preserve and to heal. And obviously when we read these scriptures, it's not hard to draw parallels between the properties of salt and light and the lives that we live as Christians. And we go, ah, yeah, that's obvious. I can see that. A lot of times around election time in political races, and I'm not going to get political, I'm just going to make a statement here, we see that candidates dodge issues of religion or they, they embrace whatever group they happen to be standing in front of. And as we look at that, it's sometimes impossible to tell where they really stand because they've stood so many different places. You with me so far? As bad as that is with politicians, it's even worse that there are some people who consider themselves Christians who are just as ambiguous about their faith for similar reasons. They don't want to appear too religious lest they offend their more secular contemporaries. Or they don't want to be put into a box when it comes to faith because in their minds they might be perceived as narrow-minded in a culture that's very pluralistic. Oh, I don't want to just be categorized as something, so I just... Jesus made, his clear, made it clear to his followers and to us today that we are the light of the world. When you see a light, you know exactly where it is. If you've ever been offshore in a boat in the dark, when you see, as you're coming back towards shore, when you see that first light, you know exactly where it is and you can head right for it. And hopefully it's going to stay right where it was when you first saw it. If it doesn't, you're in trouble. If it's another boat. But in the case of a ship that's looking for a lighthouse, they see that light and they know that's the direction. That's what we are to be. We are to be that light that's set on a hill, not a light that moves around and not want to be pinned down to any one thing. There's way too many Christians today who don't want to be pinned down to Christianity. And that's sad. Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. I believe you said, that's just, that'd be just crazy. You wouldn't light a lamp and then put something over the top of it and hide the light. If you do that, it's of no use. Instead, they put it on a stand and it lights up the whole house. 
And in the same way, we are to let our light shine before men so that they will see our good deeds. Let our light shine before men so that they will see our good deeds, which means we have to actually do good deeds. And then not praise our good deeds, rather they would praise our Father in heaven. The people of Thessalonica were recognized for the lives they lived. People saw their light. They couldn't hide it. Paul gave them recognition not just because they were such good Christians, but I believe Paul gave them recognition because their light shined out to all the other people. And it shone to these people who then in turn, their lives were changed. That's why they received recognition for Paul. He wasn't praising their good deeds just for the sake of praising their good deeds. He was praising their good deeds because their Father in Heaven was being glorified through the lives they were living. While we are not called to alienate people when we express our faith, and there are people that do, you can be obnoxious in the way that you witness. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. While we're not called to be obnoxious in expressing our faith, we shouldn't be shy about identifying ourselves with Christ. There's a whole long distance between being obnoxious and witnessing and absolutely refusing to be identified with Christ. Because as Jesus said, and as we see with the believers at Thessalonica, this kind of identification with Christ, it draws people's attention toward God. If we're living the right kind of life, if we're living that life that is filled with power, it will draw people's attention toward God. And for those who have never received Christ into their life, there is nothing greater that we could share Jesus told us to let the light of our faith shine in whatever we do so that people would take notice of it and they would, it would glorify God. He also told us to be like savory salt flavoring the world around us with love and truth. One of the things that Paul pointed out to the Thessalonian church was that they had flavored the entire region around them. They had salted not just Thessalonica, but Macedonia and Achaia and all the region. And as a result, many others had come to Christ. And that's our call today. We are not called to, to save the world by some means of a personal power ministry. Rather, our call is simply to be salt and light every day to everyone we come in contact with. There's a story told about a man who was walking on the beach one morning. During the night, the tide had come in, and it had gone out and stranded thousands of starfish on the beach. As the waves came crashing in, he noticed a little girl off in the distance. She was picking up these helpless starfish, one at a time, and putting them back in the ocean. 
He was curious and he, as he approached her and he watched several times as she repeatedly made the effort to accomplish the seemingly impossible task of saving thousands of starfish. Finally, he said to the little girl, Little girl, you cannot possibly save them all, so why waste your time? Without hesitation, she picked up another starfish, held it up to the man, and said, Tell that to this little starfish. As he stood there and watched, the little girl smiled, ran to the ocean, and threw that starfish back into the ocean as well. We too can make a difference, even when it seems like this task that is just unfathomable. You might not reach thousands, but the ones you do reach, it's worth it. Jesus lived his entire life on this earth, sometimes preaching to multitudes, but many, many times he spent time one-on-one -on -one with people. Could we purpose to be aware in the future of, of the opportunities that we have every day to practice our faith. If you read through the book of Thessalonians, you'll see that Paul didn't call out the names of superstars at the church of Thessalonica. He didn't say, well, brother so-and-so did an awfully good job. He talked about the church as a whole. That one at a time, Day after day, they impacted their city and the entire region surrounding them. And I will close with this. Be salt. Be light. Make a difference. God bless you.